0: Positively Pro-Life, a podcast brought to you by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Positively Pro-Life brings you inspirational stories, important legislative updates, and informative interviews as we restore and strengthen a culture of life. I'm Bonnie Finnerty, Education Director at the Federation, and I am joined by my distinguished colleague, Maria Gallagher, our Legislative Director. Hi, Maria. Hi, Bonnie. It's good to be here today. Oh, it's great to be here with you. What would it take for a person to not get an abortion? What support and resources would she need to choose life? Those are the types of questions that today's guest considers at her organization, Let Them Live. We are thrilled to have founder Emily Burning here to share how Let Them Live got started and discuss their amazing work that they are doing saving lives. In addition, Maria will report on the drop in abortion totals since the Dobbs decision. But let's start with some pro-life inspiration. November is National Adoption Month, and I would like to share a fantastic article from Ryan Bomberger of the Radiance Foundation. Years ago, Ryan keynoted one of our Celebrate Life banquets, and I have been following him ever since. This article published yesterday is titled, adopted and loved in a post row America. Now, in the interest of time, I've omitted some parts of the article, but I will link to the full article in the show notes. When you turn on your iPhone, MacBook or iPad today, thank a courageous birth mom who didn't abort the genius who would become the founder of Apple. Steve Jobs was adopted and loved. When you listen to a country music superstar husband and wife duo sing a heart melting ballad, thank the families who took them in. Tim McGraw and Faith Hill were both adopted and loved. When you watch the most decorated Olympic gymnast in the world, thank the grandparents who opened their hearts and home to her. Simone Biles was adopted and loved. When I think about growing up in a diverse family of 15 with two incredible parents, I thank my courageous birth mom. I was conceived in rape, but adopted in love. November is National Adoption Month. Adoption unleashes purpose. It's an act of love, mercy, justice, and sacrifice. It's not an easy decision, and it's not an easy road for anyone involved. On a side note, Raising your biological children is not an easy road either. In the natural and the supernatural, adoption helps to bring wholeness and healing to what is broken. I know because I've lived it. It's a journey marked by joy, sadness, faith, uncertainty, victories, trials, and lots of self-sacrificial love. There are those who demonize adoption and encourage others to fixate on perpetual trauma. I'd rather focus on ways to bring about personal triumphs. Trauma should become a reference point, not a resting place. Since the Dobbs decision, the anti-adoption rhetoric has exponentially increased. Some claim abortion is a preemptive act that prevents someone from experiencing adversity. What a horrible social policy. You don't eliminate the potential sufferer you elevate the person who is suffering. The true strength of our humanity is how we help those in their weakest moments. Vulnerable children need that strength. My wife and I adopted when we had no full-time jobs and three kids, two were in diapers. There were all kinds of sacrifices, but there were all kinds of miracles. My nonprofit, the Radiance Foundation, is passionately pro-adoption. Our adoption portal, Adopted and Loved, contains informative articles, videos, graphics, and vetted adoption resources. Each of us have irrevocable and equal worth. The famous individuals I mentioned earlier do not possess more value because of their achievements. Their lives, however, illustrate the profound and widespread impact of adoption. Last year, Simone Biles announced on Instagram that she's pro-abortion. Adoption's not that easy, she said, and coming from someone who was in the foster care system, trust me, she explained, foster care system is broken and it's tough, especially on the kids and young adults who age out, and adoption is expensive. I'm just saying. She claimed people misconstrued her words. They didn't. She was advocating death as a better option than life. Love and self-sacrifice are never easy, but they beautifully change the trajectory of people's lives. Simone's own adoption experience tangibly reflects this. Her grandparents rescued her out of that broken system and helped to unleash her God-given purpose. My adopted siblings and I know that feeling. No one is better off dead. We're all better off loved. And again, that is from Ryan Bomberger of the Radiance Foundation. Maria.
1: Thank you so much, Bonnie. Now, the following is from a lifenews.com report. A new report in the New York Times shows abortions quickly declined after the Supreme Court overturned Roe. In just the first two months after the Dobbs decision in late June, abortions had already dropped 6% as more than 10,000 babies were saved from abortion. 13 states banned or severely restricted abortion during those months, mostly in the South, and legal abortions in those states fell to close to zero, according to detailed estimates made by a consortium of academics and abortion providers, the report said. Nine more states added major abortion restrictions, and legal abortions in those states fell by a third. In states with bans and restrictions, there were about 22,000 fewer abortions in July and August, compared with the baseline of April before the decision. That 22,000 decline in the number of babies killed was more than enough to offset the increase of 12,000 abortions in blue states that advertised abortions to women in pro-life states that protect women and children. While the CDC and state health departments are notoriously slow to report abortion data, the new statistics come from a pro-abortion group that gets its information directly from abortion businesses, which makes it quicker
0: to compile and possibly more accurate. Bonnie. Thank you, Maria. I am so delighted to introduce today's guest. Emily Burning is the president and co-founder of Let Them Live, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to saving lives from abortion by financially supporting women in crisis pregnancies. She's been involved with the pro-life movement for over seven years, And her greatest passion in life is giving pregnant women the support they need to choose life. Emily holds a bachelor's degree in biology from Colorado State University and met her husband Nathan the summer after she graduated. They started Let Them Live together three and a half years ago and have grown grown it to a team of over 70 staff and 200 volunteers that has helped 400 women cancel their abortions and choose life. Emily and Nathan love working together and are currently writing a book about their experiences with Let Them Live. Welcome to Positively Pro-Life, Emily. Thank you for having me.
1: It is a pleasure to have you with us today. Can you tell me why was Let Them Live founded?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So originally, and this is gonna be in our book, which is amazing, um, after Nathan and I got married, He had come across a woman who was uh, on Facebook in a pro-life group commenting on a post saying, hey, my cousin's going to have an abortion. I don't know what to do. Can someone please help me so I can help her cancel the abortion? And let them live. We had actually already formed the nonprofit at this point, but we didn't know like what mission or what purpose we were supposed to serve. So this situation actually led us to what we do today. So Nathan reached out to this woman um, and messaged her and said, Hey, like what's going on? She said that her cousin uh, lost her job, was evicted. It was December. It was freezing. She was living in her car. She was about 20 weeks pregnant. Um, There's just a lot of, a lot going on for her. And she felt like abortion was her only option because specifically because of that financial burden. So Nathan said, this is kind of like a, a shortened version of it, but he said, well, what if we paid to get her back into her apartment? And this mom eventually finally agreed. And Nathan and I didn't have a lot, but we sent her everything we had in our bank account, which was about $1,200. And we paid her rent, got her back in her apartment. Um, and she ended up canceling her abortion. She sent us a message saying, do I need to call to cancel or do I have to go in to cancel? And at that moment, we were like, yes, this life, we saved a life. We saved a baby from abortion. And that was our very first experience with like a very direct save. And from that moment, the light bulb just came on. And we found a statistic that says that 73% of women in the United States have abortions because of financial burden. And that comes from the Guttmacher Institute. And that statistic really just hit us. And we realized that so many other women are probably going through very similar situations where they feel backed into a corner and they feel like they have to have an abortion because of this, their bills piling on top of them. And we wanted to be a solution to that. And we found that there weren't any organizations specifically dedicated to that. So in that moment, that's what we knew we had to do. And we just crossed our fingers and hoped that we'd be able to find donors that wanted to give. And here we are three and a half years later and helped. Helping so many moms.
1: That's just remarkable. Now, how are women
2: made aware of your support? That's a great question as well. So, we have a really large social media presence. So, obviously, that's a great way for women to connect with us. Maybe they see one of our posts, or, you know, some of our supporters share our information on social media and someone else sees it. Um, but another way, which is the main way that we connect with women is through a partnership. So partnerships with live action and pregnancy centers across the country and sidewalk counselors, and just a pro-life community that we have networked with and grown close to. And they know of our resource. They know that when all else fails and no other support is going to really help that mom change her mind. And she really needs that financial support that they can refer her to us. So we have a really great partnership with lots of organizations in the pro-life movement.
0: So Emily, how do you go about deciding what a woman needs? Yeah,
2: so we have, when we first started Let Them Live, it's so funny because when I look back on it, it has changed so much. It has been such a whirlwind. Um, Nathan and I used to do all of the counseling, all of the fundraising, all of the social media, you know, paying all of the mom's bills. Um, But now we've actually established processes and implemented some procedures so we used to just talk with the mom and ask her what she needs help with and then just pay those bills for her with no real structure but now our counselors we have an amazing counseling team and they have a virtual call with the mom because we help women all over the country and all of us work remotely Um, and so they have a call with a mom and they just ask her to describe her situation, what's going on, what are all of the things that are just, just get everything out in the open. And then from there, the, the counselor will consult with our financial team to discuss, you know, what can we help with what a plan could look like? And then we develop a financial plan. And that could be something like, you know, we pay her rent for nine months and her groceries for five months, whatever it is. Um, and we build into it that those that support tapers off. And as that support tapers off slowly, we're also working with her on financial coaching and job applications and, you know, things that are just going to help her in the long run. So it's different for every single mom, but we do have an established process of, you know, taking into consideration what she's saying and also balancing that with what we know will be able to help her in the long run. Can
0: I ask a follow-up question?
2: yeah I'm wondering
0: I'm wondering how you grew your organization from two people to seventy staff and two hundred <laughs> volunteers in three and a half years that's incredible it is um definitely something
2: that I wake up every morning and I just like wonder how the heck that even happened. um I mean obviously we put in a lot of work, but I also just I just really feel like when you lead with passion, everything else just follows and Nathan and I are the type of people to put in 14 hour days every day. And so we just really believed and let them live. And we knew that it was such a need. This is such a need in the pro-life community and such a needed resource that if we presented it to people um, that are in the pro-life community, that they might actually think this is a good idea and want to support women this way. And so we grew it just one donor at a time. You know, one fundraiser at a time, one staff member at a time, um, little by little. I remember when Nathan and I first started it, we actually we couldn't afford anything because we gave all of our money away. And we were just married. We didn't have jobs. We quit our jobs to just put everything in to let them live. And the only place that we could figure out to live was in the back of his family's business, which is trailer storage. And someone abandoned their fifth wheel years ago. And it was, really nice inside. So Nathan was like, okay, this is where we're living. So we lived in a fifth wheel trailer on the back of the property while we started let them live. And we found other people that were just as passionate as we were. And when you find passionate people, you don't either, ha- you either don't have to pay them at all, or you can pay them just a tiny bit. So all of us were volunteering at first, we got some of our friends that really liked what we were doing. And with their help, we just grew it. We were probably paying them like $500 a month, um, but that passion really led it. And then from there, just getting more donors and hustling. And um, for us, it is just when we remind ourselves that who we're fighting for, these women and their children are at the, the center of our focus, that we can just do so much.
0: You mentioned fundraising a few times and donors, so let's talk about that. How do you secure the money that's needed for this ministry?
2: Yeah, so we have many different ways uh, that we fundraise for our moms. The main one is we have weekly fundraisers, and that's sort of our uh, outward-facing public fundraising crowdfunding platform, and that's where uh, we try to acquire new donors. So what we do is we have we have tons of moms that come into us every week. And we choose one of those moms to run a fundraiser for, so donors can donate that way, and that's always posted on our website and our social media. We also have our monthly giving club, so that's something that really helped us to grow as well. Was finding people, finding donors who are really dedicated and having them commit to just a monthly gift, and that monthly gift is amazing because that is a for sure donation coming in the next month. Um, and then we also have our um, you know, kind of bigger giving our sponsorship program, which is called our adopt a mom program. A lot of the moms that we've worked with, they've decided not to do adoption, but we still have to, you know, sort of adopt the mom and her needs and her baby. So that's a way for churches and organizations to get involved and sponsor a mom. Um, And we have lots of other ways. We have peer-to-peer fundraising. So it's like GoFundMe style. So people can go onto our website and create a fundraiser, share it with your friends and family. Um, so those are just some of the ways, but um, yeah, we, we are so, so thankful for our donors because we're hundred percent donor funded.
1: Can you share with us some of your favorite success stories? Oh, hundred percent.
2: My absolute favorite one. It's hard to say which one's my favorite because there's just so many and so many cute babies and wonderful moms. Um, but this one's really, especially personal to me. Um, One of the first moms that we helped, her name is Atoria, and there's actually a documentary that we filmed with her, and that's on our YouTube channel, Um, but this was a mom that Nathan and I both counseled, and she was really in a tough position. She was living in her car, um, and she lost her job, and she was just homeless and didn't really have a lot of support, and we started to help her. And at first we thought that she was going to accept our help. We were going to help her get into a a stable place to live. She just didn't know how she could bring a child into that scenario. Um, And she had a lot of bills. She had a major car payment that she felt just, I mean, she just couldn't pay. Um, And so we decided to start helping her and she accepted our help. Um, But then she went back and forth so many times. This mom went back and forth so many times. It was the hardest mom that Nathan and I have ever had to counsel because We, it just took everything, um, from us to just put everything into her. And, um, she was also really depressed and she told us that she was going to do a two day abortion because she was 19 weeks pregnant. And after that two day abortion, she was planning on jumping off a parking garage and committing suicide. And that was just absolutely heartbreaking for us. So we jumped into action. We asked her to please just give us a chance. This mom is in California. So Nathan and I hopped on the next flight out of Indianapolis, flew right to California and we met up with her and we said, Hey, we're here. What can we do to help you? And in that moment, she, she chose life. And that was really such a victory for us because a lot of moms, um, may not take as much counseling, but, but she really did. And we thought so many times that we were going to lose her and that baby. Um, and so on March 2nd, 2020, she gave birth to her son and she invited us to be in the delivery room with her. So we were there and we met him right away. His name is Kiari and he is two and a half years old now. And, uh, we're his godparents and, um, it's hard to talk about without getting emotional, but we were, I remember being in the delivery room and Atoria's dad, uh, came in and we looked at each other and I said, are you Kevin. He said, yeah. And he's like, are you Emily? And I said, yeah. And we just looked at each other and gave each other the biggest hug and started crying. And he said, you saved my grandson's life. And that's just not something that you forget. Um, And every birthday since then, he's told us like he wouldn't be here without you. And it's it's hard to describe, but I believe that everybody should get the opportunity to know that they've saved lives from abortion. And that's what we tried to do with Let Them Live. When someone donates, we want to make sure they know that that donation has saved a life from abortion because that's what they're doing. So that's one of the the most amazing stories because of the experience that we got. Um, and we have so many other moms that we've just grown so close to and their kids are in our lives now. Um, Diamond is one of our moms. Her daughter, Myla, they live 30 minutes from us and we get to see, I get to see Myla all the time. Um, one of our other moms, Olivia, her son, Stone, just turned two years old, and we were at his birthday party. We go to all these babies' birthday parties. We're so involved, in. there's just too many to count, but um, it's, it's just absolutely wonderful.
1: What are some of the important lessons you've learned along the way? There's a lot of lessons. I actually was thinking
2: the other day that I should have written things down as we were going along because I probably have a way longer list. Um, but I think the biggest thing is to trust God. That's that's my biggest thing. Um, there are times where Let Them Live tests my patience and my anxiety is through the roof and I might end up gray before my time. <laughs> but I know that because of the work that we're doing, because the work we're doing is so good. And we're helping so many women. So some things that I've learned are just just to take it one day at a time. Um, it can be really overwhelming, um, just to trust and to rely on our teammates to rely on people and to trust the people that are doing this work with me. And also to just take it easy sometimes, because the boundary between work and life in this type of work is really blurred, because. This is my passion and it doesn't feel like work. So it's important to clock out sometimes, not necessarily do 14 hour days every day and take some time because if I'm not renewed and rejuvenated, I can't give my best to the organization. So those would probably be some of the top things that I've just learned along the way.
0: (laughs) Emily, Maria talked about pro-life protections and we know like since Dobbs um, came out in June and things are back at the state level, and there's more pro-life protections. I'm just wondering if that's impacted the number of requests that you you're seeing.
2: Yeah, we saw a major um, increase in the number of moms who were coming to us for support, um, and that's that's twofold. I think there was a lot of women that just didn't uh, weren't really considering abortion, but knew that we were a resource. The other scary thing. Um, And this has probably been the thing that i'm trying to continue to educate pro-lifers on is that we still have a lot of women coming to us that are seeking abortions either in person in blue states like california new york or by buying abortion pills online um, partnering or working with organizations that fund abortions and fund travel for abortions so we've seen a lot of that as well so what what we've seen in our donors, our donors are really amazing. And what we've seen in in some of the people that support us is not having an understanding that abortions are still happening. And we've had some major major victories, and so many lives saved because Roe v. Wade was overturned. And um, it it's absolutely amazing. But we still have so much work to do. Um, we still have so many women that are finding are seeking abortions in so many different ways. So we have to be on our A game. You know, when we're raising money for a mom, we can't be saying, oh, well, if she doesn't have money, then she can't get an abortion anyways because she can't afford it. Or she lives in Mississippi, she can't get an abortion. Well, it's 2022. And sadly, there's so many ways that she can. And so we're trying to be the competition of organizations that fund abortions. We're trying to fund life. And that's just the message that we're spreading, um, especially in this post Roe world.
0: What are some of your goals or aspirations for Let Them Live?
2: (laughs) I'm. uh, It's so funny because Nathan is more of the visionary. Someone asked me, "What do you see Let Them Live doing in five years?" And I was like, "This probably goes back to a lesson I've learned. I've I've learned not to make too many plans far in advance because they tend to get changed. Um, Things tend to shift around. But what I see for Let Them Live is I see us helping not just hundreds but thousands of women and to do that, we have to grow our donor base. We have to reach more people than ever. We have to get the people that are pro-life that say they're pro-life but maybe aren't as involved and don't feel like they have to be involved to get them involved. Um, the other thing that makes let them live unique, um, it's so weird. We actually have pro-choice donors um, because, It's super. It's super weird. And at first, I was like, "What?" Um, But I'm like, "This is amazing because we're able to tap into an entirely new community. And while we don't agree on abortion, they're donating to us. They're supporting us. And we have an opportunity to show them what it really means to be pro-life. And that, hey, this life wouldn't have been alive without you. So not only can we save lives, and we can do it with people that are not conventionally pro-life donors." Uh, but we could tap into an entirely new donor base. And so I talk about donors so much because the more money we, we raise, the more women we're able to support, the more women we're able to reach, the more lives that we can save. So I see a lot more of that. We're also developing an app and this app is going to be absolutely amazing. It's going to give donors a chance to log in, manage their account, but also connect more directly with moms. Because right now, donors give, and we're kind of the middleman, and there's not a lot of communication, so we're closing that gap so that donors can get that same feeling that Nathan and I had when we helped Ettoria and helped Kiari. Um, so a lot of exciting things coming, obviously the book, um, and we're just hoping to also continue so many partnerships within the pro-life movement because especially now, partnership is, is going to be the key for us to staying ahead and staying on top of the, uh, the pro-life movement and the abortion issue.
1: Emily Burning, president and co founder of Let Them Live. Thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Yeah, thank you guys so much.
1: Positively Pro Life is made possible through the generous support of the members of the Pennsylvania Pro Life Federation all across the Commonwealth. The Pennsylvania Pro Life Federation is the largest single issue pro life organization in the Keystone State with more than 40 local county based chapters we shine a spotlight on the most vulnerable individuals. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, there's always a reason to choose life.